Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two of The Doctor Is In. I'm Paul Verhoeven, your host. How you doing? It's a podcast. You can't reply, can you? Well, we're all learning so much. Listen, um, this season of Doctor Who promises to be great, and this season of The Doctor Is In promises to be kind of overwhelming for yours, truly. Last season, I talked to, among other people, Matt Lucas, Stephen Moffat, Rove, Tegan Higginbotham, you know... A lot of people. And I've launched a brand new website. It's over at thedoctorisin.show. If you aren't familiar with The Doctor Is In, you can scroll through and have a look at what the show is about. You can see who I've talked to in the past. But you might also see a little trailer that I popped up in which I announce who the guest is um, for this episode. And obviously, if you're if you're on iTunes or the website or Twitter, you, you know who it is. So I'm going to stop burying the lead. Later in the show, you'll be hearing um, my interview with Jodie Whittaker. I've never had The Doctor on The Doctor Is In, but I guess, you know, now's as good a time as any. It was a lovely interview. Jodie was bloody wonderful, so I can't wait for you to hear it. But before we get to that, it's time for Whose News Is It Anyway? This week in Doctor Who News, according to the BBC, there's not going to be a major linking thread uh, carrying through the new series of Doctor Who. So, as people who uh, have seen Doctor Who know very well, um, back in 2005, when the show returned, we were introduced to the idea of an overarching uh, plot that kind of weaves its way through every episode, and Bad Wolf was the first of those. That was 13 years ago, and really, Doctor Who hasn't ever stopped doing that. But, executive producer Matt Stevens has confirmed that this pattern... I guess you call it a tendency, like a habit that the show has, is going to be ditched for Jodie Whittaker's series. His exact quote was, I'd say the only series arc is the growing relationship between the Doctor and her new friends and how that team builds across the series. I gotta be honest, folks. If the overarching story for this season of Doctor Who is friendship, then I am in. Because, you know, not everything has to be this cosmic, labyrinthine plot. Unless Stevens is lying to throw us off, in which case, how very dare you, Stevens? Next in Doctor Who news, the website City Metric has done something incredibly nerdy but thoroughly enjoyable. They have compiled a list. They've gone through every episode of Doctor Who and they figured out which cities appear the most in the show. Now, the new season is set, uh, at least primarily, in, um, in Sheffield. But I've gone through this list. It's incredibly long. And to save you all time, I'm just going to skip ahead to the top three. In third place, we have New York City uh, with six appearances. In second place, Bristol has appeared nine times, and in first place, and you may have guessed this, over 80 appearances, London. Oh, London. I was in London recently. It just, it, there was something so palpably Doctor Who-ish about it, I sort of just ran around screaming and pouring at phone boxes. Everyone was very concerned. And finally, in Doctor Who news this week, Bradley Walsh, who plays companion Graham in the new season of Doctor Who, almost didn't say yes to the role because he was done with acting. However... Here's the thing. Bradley Walsh is a UK comedian, and he's on panel shows a lot, right? And uh, he was doing a charity football match. And uh, um, Ray Winstone toddles up and says, and I quote, Enough of the quiz shows. Why don't you do more acting? Get back into acting. You are a good actor. I know that Ray Winstone impression was garbage, but what isn't garbage 
is the fact that Ray Winston talked Bradley Walsh into taking the role. So now we have Bradley Walsh playing Graham on Doctor Who. So thank you, Ray Winston. We salute you. And now it's the moment you've all been waiting for. My phone call with Jodie Whittaker, the new Doctor. Oh, I was born ready. Jodie, how you doing? I'm fantastic. Um, Christ, where to start? Um, God, I'm making a real hash of this. Uh, how's your Comic-Con going? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, it's gone a bit quiet. Oh. Um, uh, sorry, so shout, and I will shout back. Um, I haven't seen Comic-Con yet. Our panel is on Sunday, so I, I'm, I'm in a conference room. <laughs> so, so far... You know, it's not the highlight of Comic-Con that I uh, dreamed of, but I'm very excited for Sunday. Okay, so it's not, that's not magical yet. It's not magical yet, but I, but I have big expectations. All right, excellent. Okay, so seeing a new Doctor on screen is, I mean, this is a tortured metaphor, so forgive me, but it feels a bit like, it's like having a chef cook you something without you having any idea what you're going to get. And um, to continue with this horrible metaphor, how did you decide what ingredients were going to go into this new doctor? Like, where do you even start cooking that up? Well, I think the, the wonderful thing is with, you know, working with someone like Chris, he's an incredibly detailed writer, Chris Chibnall, the showrunner. Yeah. I'd worked with him before on Broadchurch. And I think from the audition, he, he you know, guided me in the right direction, but essentially said, you know, bring, bring what you think to this audition room and what I felt was right at the time and, and then proceeded to be the direction that I went in was this fizzing with energy and this childlike wonder and this hopefulness and but you know to give credit where credit's due it was in the writing but it felt that it really matched the this the sense that I, you know when I kind of approach things personally I'm, I'm I fidget all the time I don't really sit still I'm, I'm jumping from subject to subject and it can be exhausting to be a book up <laughs> and I thought you know what Okay, so are you saying you're effectively just playing yourself, but, you know, capable of time travel? Well, no. I mean, there's no way I, I have the vocabulary that the Doctor has or the hindsight or the the uh, kind of ability to always see the good, but I think it's addictive. And that, well, I, I so love about the, the, the role is that it's incredibly mercurial, so there's no rules, and you can you can bring something new to every scenario. And as an actor, that's incredibly liberating, and is never boring and never repetitive. Do you ever bring anything from uh, historical figures or, you know, her- her- personal heroes of yours? Have you taken any mannerisms or any... Uh, you know, I, don't, I mean, I don't study enough in things like that just because I always wanted my... I, I've all, on every role I've ever played, I've, I've trusted my instinct. And, I, and, you know, and I've embodied it from... A, from from a sense of self, and right. I always have done that. So, but as far as when I when I started to approach thinking about the character, I did think about how much I loved when I was a kid. I loved Doc Brown in Back to the Future, <laughs> and, and and what I loved about him was this extraordinary brain and this this enthusiasm and love of learning and and chaos in in such. You know, and I think the thing that's fantastic is, is you know, at the time, the, the character's quite old, but you never felt that age. You only felt the youthful 
energy coming from him. So, but certainly, I didn't want to. There was no point in me taking this role if I was going to repeat mannerisms of someone or basically nick someone else's performance. <laughs> um, so, so, if I'm not very good, I've got myself to blame. There is no one else to blame. All right, that's on the record now. That's uh, that's legally binding. Um, is there any? Well, speaking of Doc Brown, would you ever consider pushing for a crossover? I know Christopher Lloyd's getting on in years, but I would kill to see that crossover. Well, you know that can be your job. You can start that hashtag. That's a, that's a lot of pressure. Who who were your heroes growing up? Because obviously, you know, a lot of us grew up with the Doctor. Did you have a Doctor that you watched growing up that influenced you, or were no, there? Any- I didn't. I didn't grow up um, in a Doctor Who house. So the the characters that I loved when I was a kid, I. Was, I wanted to be Mikey in the Goonies. I, <laughs> I wanted to be Elliot. I wanted to be a Treyu in Neverending Story. I sure. wanted, you know, I, 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 there were so many roles. You know, I think one of the only female roles that I wanted to be was Jennifer Connolly in Labyrinth. Because when I was growing up, those parts weren't being played by people who looked like me. So, but no. it was, I, you know, but coming at it now as a new Whovian, you know, the thing is, I would never. It's hard to pick a favourite doctor. There's, there's, there's so much wonder in everyone. Is it weird thinking that there's going to be a generation of people growing up doing that, like picking you as their favourite doctor? How does that feel, responsibility-wise? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that people get to do when they watch this as their first season is they get to experience the first unveiling of the Doctor's new look. Now, did you help pick the clothes? What was your input into the construction of the Doctor's look? It's incredibly collaborative between myself and Ray Holman, the costume designer. Awesome. It's a complete black slate, so I turned up for our meeting, and I've got a a shorthand with him anyway because he designed on Broadchurch, so we've been friends for, you know, like five, six years. Sweet. But it was, you know, when they said to me, you get to design your own costume, they weren't kidding. That's how free it is. And obviously there's guidance. And with me and Ray, we came up with all these ideas. Obviously people give notes. But essentially it was it was our idea and it stemmed from a photograph that I um, brought as part of my research, which I really loved. And it was a woman, a black and white image of a woman walking with purpose in short trousers and boots, braces and a t-shirt and I couldn't tell what time period it was. It also looked really comfortable. It had elements of youthfulness, it had elements of age and timelessness and and it it kind of stemmed from there but because it was black and white it was it felt like quite a black slate for us as well and and I love the use of colour and the coat is so important and iconic with the Doctor and you know, we worked on every single stitch of detail together, but any kind of tiny idea I had was then elevated by Ray, and and it was it's wonderful. But the most important thing is it's comfortable, and it takes me about two minutes to put on, and anyone can wear it. Best is a win-win. I just think the the looks amazing. Okay, so let's talk new TARDIS interior. So I, I'm I don't 
I haven't seen it, obviously, and I'm very excited about the inevitable unveiling, but how hard would it be to pull some strings at the BBC and get Kevin MacLeod to do a full grand designs of the new TARDIS, you know? <laughs> Oh Christ! Because he's got to be up for it. You know that just finished with the crane shot of him, you know, pulling out and patting a load-bearing beam and complimenting the brutalist architecture of the of the new interior. Did you did you have any um? What was it like walking into the new uh, without any spoilers, obviously? But what was it like walking into your new TARDIS uh, for the first time? Who says that I do walk into the TARDIS? Fair point. I, I I've been kicked out of my TARDIS. You've been evicted, basically. I know. I've been I've been kicked out very uh, very rudely and. and I'm falling through the sky currently. You are yet yet to have an answer to that. So you're not going to get your bond back, is what you're saying. It could just be a real. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Jody. It's it's been lovely chatting. And are are you having fun? Are you enjoying yourself? Oh my god, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. And I think you know I I didn't deserve the job if I wasn't going to have fun. Have a good, uh, have a good, uh, enjoy the rest of your blank white room. Oh, thank you very much. Take care, mate. Bye. Bye. It's been said that the people who travel with the Doctor are as important as the Doctor. Now, that might fluctuate from companion to companion. I mean, they can't all be great, but last season of The Doctor is in, in every episode, I did a segment called Doctor Who Cliff's Notes, where I gave you like a bite-sized crash course on each incarnation of The Doctor. Well, this year... It's the companion's turn, damn it. So welcome to my new regular segment, Companion Piece. If that name is stupid, it's too late. It's locked in now. Now, I'm going to kick my companion piece off with a look at Sarah Jane Smith. I don't know how many of you have had the pleasure of watching Sarah Jane Smith on screen, but Sarah Jane was, first off, an investigative journalist. So if you grew up enjoying Tintin as much as I did... Just a lady Tintin. She was amazing. She had this incredibly keen mind. Um, she didn't take any crap. She was an ardent feminist. She was intelligent. She was compassionate. She had the balls to sneak aboard the TARDIS. She just snuck into a government facility and just got on the TARDIS. That takes a certain kind of person to do that. And she very quickly became a staunch ally of John Pertwee's third doctor. And then she began working with UNIT and she became besties with Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart who I will never stop loving. And she was there when Pertwee regenerated into Tom Baker. She was there when the fourth Doctor had the chance to wipe out the Daleks before they were even created. She battled Cybermen in space. She uh, she she fought Sontarans. She went through a host of BS, which is frankly way outside her job description. You know, she was, she was not earning overtime for this stuff, and she really should have been. And after the Doctor got called back to Gallifrey uh, for an election, of all things, a spill, if you will, she was unceremoniously dumped. And like, I literally mean, I'm sure you've all been through some pretty bad breakups. She was literally left on the footpath in the suburbs wondering what the hell just happened. And that was it for Sarah Jane Smith. Well, I mean, you know, she had some other dalliances with Doctor Who. She, she had a failed pilot um, made for a TV show called Canine and Company because the Doctor left the robot dog with her as if that was supposed to be some sort of consolation. Um, she appeared in The Five Doctors, but that was it for uh, Elizabeth Sladen. Who played Sarah Jane? That was it. That was that was the end of um, that was the end of Sarah Jane. Until, and this is one of my favorite moments in Doctor Who, in season two of Russell T Davies' new series in two thousand six, we were treated to an episode called School Reunion. So the tenth Doctor, David Tennant, heads to this uh, suburban school uh, where he's investigating a series of disappearances, and then he looks across the room and he makes eye contact. 
with Sarah Jane. And she's there investigating because that's what the doctor taught her to do and that's what she was good at. And the look on Tennant's face says it all. If you, it, it is This episode is a love letter to Sarah Jane, but it's also a love letter to companions in general. And it deals really deftly with what it means to be a companion of the Doctor, what the consequences are, how these companions struggle to recover after the time of the TARDIS. And also, what finding out what a companion is doing years down the track is just so enervating. But how do you top that? How do you top being a companion of the Doctor? Well, for Elizabeth Sladen, she went on to get her own TV series. Finally, it happened. The Sarah Jane Adventures. It was aimed more at kids, um, but it had her adopting a genius son. It had her working with a refurbished canine. Um, She got a sonic lipstick to solve mysteries. It was great. It ran for five seasons. Um, It even had a great crossover episode with Matt Smith's 11th Doctor and an earlier companion, Joe Grant. Uh, And it was written by Russell T. Davies. So if you want to see a real corker of a two-parter, I would watch that. Now, Elizabeth Sladen was diagnosed with cancer in February 2011, and she passed away in April. And I I don't want to sugarcoat this. Sarah Jane was a force of nature. She was way ahead of her time. If you want to find out more about Sarah Jane Smith, start watching the fourth Doctor's um, episodes with a real... Look, a good kicking off point might be Genesis of the Daleks, and then watch School Reunion. Honestly, you really can't go wrong with Sarah Jane. She was there for the Doctor in the best of times and the worst of times, and, and we'll miss her. Next week in Companion Piece, I'm start, name's starting to warm on me, I'll be honest. Next week, we'll be looking at Captain Jack Harkness. And let me tell you something, he looks good. Sadly, that's all the time we have for this episode of The Doctor Is In. Thank you for joining me at the beginning of Season 2. I hope you're, um, I hope you're excited about Doctor Who. Thank you to Jodie Whittaker for joining us on the show. Wonderful guest. Just the absolute best. And uh, don't forget to tune in to Doctor Who on the ABC and Whovians, which is on straight afterwards. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. So don't forget to head across to the new website. It's the doctorisin.show. There is so much stuff across there. You can check out all the guests that have been on the show before. Um, there's some great interviews up there. Um, you can read up on all the latest Doctor Who news. And uh, don't forget to head across to iTunes. Subscribe to The Doctor Is In. Tell your friends about it, I guess. And before we go, I have just one more little treat for you. There's something so willful, so bold about the British design of the 60s. And the London housing market means sometimes people have to settle for apartments that are a bit small. Well, what if you found something as small as a police box? And what if, what if you could use clever design tricks, deft feats of architectural know-how to make it feel bigger on the inside. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.